The following sermon is from the Westminster Pulpit, extending the worship ministry of Westminster Presbyterian Church, Lancaster, Pennsylvania. We are a local congregation of the Presbyterian Church in America. Please contact us for permission before reproducing this message in any format. so happy tonight to have uh, Reverend Deckard Stevens and his wife Sylvia uh, with us. Deckard is the associate pastor at the Carlisle uh, Reformed Presbyterian Church. It's a wonderful church and it has a wonderful view of the Blue Mountain. Wish we had that same view. Also, by the way, Dr. Light's mother is a member of that church and uh, Deckard and the other pastors minister to her and we're glad that that connection is there. When I found out that uh, Deckard had served and originally from Greenville, South Carolina, I said, oh, my son-in-law is from that area. His name is Stephen Jones. And he said, oh, was he any relation to to the famous uh, University Jones family in South Carolina? And I said, no. (laughs) There are many Joneses. (laughs) So, but we're so happy to have Deckard here. As you see, he served in uh, many churches and uh, most recently here in the southeastern Pennsylvania area since 2016. So the Lord bless you, Brother Deckard, as you bring the word to us. Well, first let me say thank you to Pastor Irvine and the other elders for the invitation to come and be with you tonight, minister God's word to you. Uh, I'm thankful for that opportunity and pray that the Lord will indeed be pleased to, to bless the uh, ministry of his word to the hearts and lives of his people for his glory. Bring you greetings from your brothers and sisters at Carlisle Reformed Presbyterian Church, and it is a joy to be with you this evening. Let me ask you to turn in your Bibles then to the Gospel of Luke and chapter 10. The Gospel of Luke and chapter 10. We'll be reading a brief passage dealing with Mary and Martha, perhaps very familiar text to many of you. Uh, verses 38 through 42. Let's read the Word of God together, and then I will pray. Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving, And she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. Thus far, the reading of God's holy word. Let's pray together. Almighty God, we gather together tonight to worship you, the living and true God, to confess that there is no God like our God, great, 
mighty and awesome. And we rejoice tonight to be able to come together as your people and call upon your great name. We confess, Lord, there are no people on the planet like your people. People that have such righteous laws and statutes as we have before us this very evening. And we thank you for your word. Lord, would you come in the power of your Holy Spirit and cause that word to be made effectual in the hearts and lives of your people that we might be more and more conformed to the image of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. If I were to take a few moments and go around this room this evening and ask you individually, what do you think you need most this evening? I wonder how many of you would respond in a variety of ways, perhaps, about what you think you need most. As I look at you, most of you appear to have plenty to eat. You're all dressed in nice clothes. Your parking lot is full of nice cars. If I could follow you home, I would probably discover that you live in very nice homes and apartments. You might be tempted, brothers and sisters, to actually think, you know what? There's really nothing I really need. But our text reveals to us that that is not the case at all. In fact, what we see here is that each and every one of us, young or old, male or female, young people, teenagers, children, we all, brothers and sisters, we all stand in great need this very hour. But it doesn't stop there. The fact is that if we don't realize what our need is, that in itself is going to lead to numerous other problems. Now, in this passage, we are introduced to two sisters living in a small village called Bethany, about two miles outside of Jerusalem. Their names are Mary and Martha. Now, that might not strike you as being all that significant, but actually, this is very different. This account is very different than many other accounts that we have throughout the Gospels. In fact, most of the people that Jesus dealt with, that he ministered to, are either hypothetical, that is, a certain man went down to Jericho and fell among robbers, or they are nameless, a centurion, whose servant was sick, came to Jesus. A woman who has an issue of blood 
came to Jesus. We have all of these different references to these individuals, but we do not know their names. We do not know where they lived. We do not know what they were like. We don't know what happened in their lives after they met Jesus. But that is not the case here. Here are two ladies, not only named for us by Luke, the physician, but also by John in his gospel. We have these two ladies that are named not only for this particular situation, but for numerous other situations that we find particularly in the gospel of John. And we are often given a number of details. We're told what their names are. We're told where they live. We're told what they were like. We're even told what their brother's name was. And we were specifically told in John 11 that Jesus loved Mary and Martha. So we're given a great deal of information. And as we look at this passage tonight and talk about these two sisters, here's what I want you to think about. How very much like them you and I are. I want you to realize that this is, this is not just technical information to fill our brain with. This is designed to impact us. This is designed to teach us, to instruct us, and to show us what the Lord did for them and will do for us. So I want you to think about how we are like these two sisters, and I want you to see specifically how the words that are spoken to them apply to us right here in central Pennsylvania tonight. Now we're going to look at three particulars about these two sisters. The first is this. Mary and Martha were both disciples of Jesus, but they were very different. Mary and Martha were both believers. They were both dedicated followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, but they were very, very different in their personality and in their characteristics. Martha was obviously the one with the outgoing personality. She was a take-charge kind of woman, while Mary was quiet and very reserved and perhaps shy. She did not like to be the center of attention. These were two very different women. Verse 38, if you look at it, indicates that as he entered this village of Bethany, a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. Apparently it was Martha who issues the invitation for Jesus to come to their home that day. She is the one who takes charge of the arrangements. And it's interesting in some of the other situations. Remember, after the death of Lazarus in John 11, it was Martha who, when she heard that Jesus was coming, goes out to meet Him outside the town, while Mary stayed and remained in the house. 
Again, in John 12, after Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead, it is Martha, again, who serves when Jesus comes into the home. Mary is the one who comes to Jesus and anoints Him with oil. Now, it's not uncommon when people read the various accounts of Mary and Martha for people to come to the conclusion, well, it's very clear Mary was the more spiritual one. Mary was the one who drew closer to Jesus. Now, brothers and sisters, we need to be very careful about those kind of judgments. Both of these ladies were committed believers. And few individuals, even were we to go and and to examine each of your hearts and lives tonight, few of us, brethren, would come up to the mark of the kind of faith that was exhibited by Martha after the death of Lazarus. Turn over to John 11 for just a moment and look at this particular woman and how she responds after this deep wound, this sorrow that has come upon her. Her brother has died and has been buried. And even though they sent to Jesus and said, please come quickly, He did not come in time. But Martha, when she goes out to meet Jesus in John 11, look at verse 20. Then Martha, as soon as she heard Jesus was coming, went out and met Him. But Mary was sitting in the house. And Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if You had been here, my brother would not have died. Now that alone, brothers and sisters, shows us this woman had tremendous faith in Jesus. She believed He had the power to heal. If He had been there, If he had known fully what the situation was, all he would have to do was speak the word. And her brother would not have died. Look at verse 23. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Jesus is saying, you don't need to be sorrowful now. Your brother will rise again. She's not thinking the same thing he's thinking, but she does believe And she says so. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection. She has faith in that. She believes the Word of God. She's been taught and she believes there is a resurrection after death. And she's expecting that her brother will rise again. Verse 26, Whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? I don't think she grasped the full scope of what Jesus was saying, but she says this in verse 27, Yes, Lord, I believe that You are the Christ, the Son of God, who has come into the world. My friends, as you sit there tonight, you have the faith, the same faith of Martha, Can you say in your heart tonight, yes, Lord, I believe you are the Christ. You are the Messiah. 
You are the Savior of sinners. We heard the confession tonight. Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God and Savior of sinners? I don't know, but it seems like that question was asked to Martha. And she said, yes, I believe. Do you believe that? This woman was an extraordinary woman of faith and godliness. The the problem is this. Sometimes we get into trouble when we begin to judge a person's spiritual condition based on their personality. It's not that difficult for us to fall into this trap. But like Mary and Martha, you and I may be both committed believers, dedicated followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, and yet be very, very different in our personality and characteristics. Same is true of you and your husband or your wife or your children. For those of you who have multiple children, you know those children are not always exactly alike. They are very different. Some are very energetic. Some are very quiet and calm. Some are outgoing like uh, Martha. And others are reserved and quiet like Mary. Some people, I understand, like to get up early in the morning. And others, not so much. Some people do one thing. Some people find great joy in doing something entirely different. It's not uncommon for husbands and wives to have very different interests. And so, in order of fairness, you have to say, this day off, you pick what we will do, and this day off, I will pick what we'll do. Because we like different things. The point is, brethren, we need to learn to recognize that everyone's gifts do not lie in the same area. Not everyone is going to act and say the things that you think they should. Some people are very engaged in hospitality and they're well suited to that. Other people are are very comfortable evangelizing the lost while others have a very difficult time doing that. We need to understand that everyone is different. But that does not mean they're less spiritual than we are. So be careful. As you think of your fellow church members, as you think of the differences between your children, as you think about your your husband and your wife, don't make a judgment that they are less spiritual because they don't do it the way you think it ought to be done. Martha was very different from Mary. That does not mean that she was less spiritual. Now, the second point is that Martha was a believer, as we have stated, a dedicated and devout believer, but she was easily distracted from 
her devotion. Martha, for all her strengths, needed to learn the value of being still. The value of being quiet in the presence of God. Now look at verse 40 of our text and you see that she was distracted. Now if we can try to pour into this word just a little bit more to get a better sense of exactly what's being said because it's not merely that Martha's mind was on serving the meal and Mary's mind was on learning all she could from the teaching of Jesus. This word that's used for being distracted means that she was agitated. So it's it's not just that she was distracted by other things, but she was agitated. She was visibly upset with her sister. And that's not all, but we'll look at that in a moment. We, we can almost picture the scene as all these people have come into the home and Martha has taken charge of the arrangements and she's working as hard as she can to get the meal ready, to get everything on the table. And she looks into the, to the sitting area and there's Mary sitting on the floor in front of the feet of Jesus listening to His Word. She probably was banging the cabinet doors and might have been taking the dishes and slapping them down on the table, making plenty of noise to let everyone know she was doing the work. She was agitated. She was visibly upset. And maybe as we read the scene and we think about some of our own situations where we've been in similar circumstances, we might say, you know what? I think she had a right to be. She's got a house full of guests. If Lazarus is there and all the disciples are there, that's at least 16 people that have come to her home for a meal. And now she is doing all the work and Mary is just sitting there listening to Jesus speak. But let's take a closer look because that closer look shows us the problem was not that simple. Martha was not only upset with Mary, but that attitude and that agitation carried over to her very thoughts and feelings towards Christ. You see what she says. She comes to Jesus, and in verse 40, she says, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Lord, what's wrong with this situation? Do something. Change this. Tell her to help me. She's not just upset with Mary. She's upset with Christ. Now, my friends, you and I might look at that and say, oh, how could anyone do that? But you know what frequently happens? When something hard and something difficult comes into our lives, 
we go to the Lord and we say, why? Why did you allow this? Lord, if you love me, why would you allow this to happen to me? Lord, do something. Change this situation. Get me out of these circumstances. Is that not the way we tend to think? That we want God to get us out of this situation as quickly as possible. You remember the Apostle Paul? In 2 Corinthians 12, he tells us that he had been exalted above measure and, and to keep him humble a messenger of Satan was sent to buffet him. That word means to... This is not some mild inconvenience, brethren. That word means to beat black and blue. It means to pummel someone. And Paul says this messenger of Satan, he doesn't tell us what it was. He doesn't tell us what the particular trial was. But he said this messenger of Satan was sent to pummel me, to keep me humble. And I besought the Lord three times, this great apostle, wouldn't he know the mind of the Lord? And he prays. And he prays three times and says to the Lord, Take it away. You remember how Christ responds. He basically says, Paul, I'm not going to take it away. I sin it. So that you would learn not to trust in your own strength. I sin it. So that you will look to me. My grace is sufficient for you. And my strength is made perfect in your weakness. My friends, we need to be very careful that we don't, like Martha, become upset with God. How many times we perhaps heard that scenario where someone has endured a great trial and they just say, I'm so angry with God. My friends, don't be angry. With God. He's the all-wise God. And He will only do what's necessary to make you like His Son. So here is Martha. She comes to Jesus and she says, do something. Lord, do you not care? Well, even more telling than that statement is the rebuke which follows. And that rebuke, my friends, identifies her sin and its cause. Look at what Jesus says in verse 41. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha. If you're familiar with this particular situation, you know that frequently in Scripture we have the repetition of names. Simon, Simon. Satan has desired to have you that he may sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you. Here, Jesus, as He speaks to Martha, repeats her name. And He does so in a way that it clearly expresses His disapproval. Because her anger was not legitimate. But not just that. It was also accompanied by other unbiblical attitudes. As anger frequently does. It fosters, it breeds, it spreads 
into other areas of our attitudes, of our feelings, of our expressions. And it does so here. He says, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. Martha was stressing out big time over this situation. And it was manifesting itself in her anger, her anger towards her sister Mary, her anger towards the Lord for not doing something about it. She was anxious. She was fretting. She was troubled. Now, my friends, don't misunderstand the point here. Jesus is not saying ladies in particular, that when you invite 16 people over for a meal, don't worry. Just go sit down in the living room and read the Bible and sing some hymns and the food will just magically appear on the table. That's not what he's talking about. The point here is that what should have been an exceptionally enjoyable and spiritually profitable situation, a time of fellowship with Christ, was lost completely because Martha was captivated by all the things she had to do. She was anxious. She was troubled. She was angry. And she lost the opportunity to have that fellowship with Jesus in our home and in our heart. Instead of having an enjoyable, profitable time with Christ, it became a source of inward and outward disturbance and irritation and anger. Just stop and think about this situation for a moment. Martha had the Son of God in her living room. What kind of privilege is that? What would it be for you or I to be able to say, after church tonight, Jesus is coming over. And he's going to sit in our living room. What do you think that would be like for you and me? The Son of God was there in her home, but she gained very little from it as a result. What I want you to understand is that this is a, not just a, a, a common aggravation or problem that you and I face. Brethren, this is a dangerous and deadly snare that Satan used. He used it in Martha's life to rob her of much spiritual good. But more importantly, perhaps than that, is it's a snare that Satan still is using today in our lives to rob us of fellowship, of communion. I love the hymn, I greet thee who my sure Redeemer art. One of my favorite expressions is grant that we might taste the sweet grace found 
in thee. My friends, when's the last time you tasted the sweet grace found in Christ? When's the last time you drew near to Him? Listen, Satan is still using this snare today. He's using it in your life. He uses it in my life because he distracts us. He fills us with anxiety, with agitation over all the things that we think we need to do. Especially on the Lord's Day. A day that that God has given us one day in seven to come aside and to devote ourselves to His worship and fellowship and communion with Him. This was something the church of Laodicea was missing completely. And that's why Jesus speaks as He does in Revelation 3.20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will hear my voice and open the door. Brethren, oftentimes this is used as an evangelistic thing. Jesus appealing to the unbeliever. That's not what that passage is about. Jesus is speaking to the church. He's saying, I'm standing here. I want to commune with you. I want to come in. I want to fellowship with you. How many times we say, well, hold on thought. I've got this and this and this and this and this to do. And as soon as I finish, I'll get around to you. My friend, beware that Satan doesn't use this same snare to distract you. Many times we become so taken up with the things of life, the cares of this life, and we don't even realize how we've neglected the Word of God. How we've failed to draw near to Him in prayer. We have not faithfully engaged in family worship. Gathering our children around us as we read the Word and sing praises to God and call upon Him in prayer. My friends, there's so many things for you to do. Don't let Satan rob you of this great need, the need that Martha had. Let me draw your attention a few chapters after this one to Luke 17. And Luke 17 and verse 26. Jesus is describing what it's going to be like when the Son of Man returns. Now listen to what he says, Luke 17, verse 26. And as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be also in the days of the Son of Man. They ate, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, as it was also in the days of Lot, they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built... But on the day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even so will it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. I don't know if you've ever stopped to think about that passage. But what's wrong with eating? 
or drinking or buying or selling or planting or building or getting married or giving your daughter in marriage? The answer, my friend, is nothing is wrong with those things. What Jesus is saying is the people of Noah's day and the people of Lot's day were so wrapped up in all those things that they did not have time for God. And that's what we need to watch out for. We live in a very busy world. And there are a lot of things that we might think we need to do. But don't miss the point of this passage. The last point is that Mary was a believer who joyfully communed with Christ. As Martha comes and says, Lord, say something to her, Jesus responds, Martha, Martha. You're anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed. Let those words sink in. One thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that, and it will not be taken away from her. Mary was not lazy. Mary was not too heavenly minded to be any earthly good. But she knew that she desperately needed in her soul to commune with Christ. She needed to hear the word of the Son of God who was right there and absolutely nothing was going to take that privilege and that opportunity away from her. And ladies and gentlemen, you young people, you children, do you know what you need more than anything else in this world? Right now, this evening, Do you know what you need every single day of your lives? Every time you get up in the morning, you ought to be thinking, what do I need most? And I think that what we learn from Mary is that the greatest need, the one thing needful, for us, more important than anything else is to spend time with Jesus. It's to spend time communing with Christ. If we could understand that we need to hear the Word of God, how different our worship services would be. If we came with that intense sense of need, great need for communion with Christ, the Son of God, 
if we came to every worship service with the sense that we needed forgiveness. Remember those words from the hymn we sang earlier, Rock of Ages. Verse 3, Nothing in my hand I bring. Simply to Thy cross I cling. Naked, I come to Thee for dress. Helpless, I look to You for grace. Foul, I to the fountain fly. Wash me, Savior, because if You don't, I will die. You sense your need of Christ. Your need to be instructed by Him. Your need to hear wisdom from His lips to guide you in your daily decisions and work and activities. To structure your home according to His Word. To look to Him for forgiveness, for cleansing. That He would wash us and make our sins, though red like crimson, make them white as snow. How different our daily lives would be if each day we began that day with a sense of needing fellowship and instruction from Christ. If we went through that day conscious of our need of His grace and power, His help, His protection. Listen, there are many, many things that each and every one of you need to be doing day after day after day. There's all kinds of things. You probably have your list, as I have my list, of things that need to be done. My friends, if you get anything at all, get the main idea here that of those many things you need to be doing, nothing absolutely nothing is more needful than this. Than you spending time with the Lord Jesus Christ. And that by definition, my friends, will demand that you slow down and that you find a quiet place. Don't Turn on the radio and listen while you're trying to read your Bible. Don't turn on the TV and start catching clips of this and that and the other. Find a quiet place where you can sit down and be still and pray and read and hear God speaking. That is what we need more than anything else. That is the greatest need we have. And I trust that God will take this very well-known passage, speak to your hearts this evening, and that from this point on, brothers and sisters, young people, that your lives will be different because you need this if you're going to live in a God-honoring way. Let's pray together. Oh Lord, our God, we thank You 
for this evening. We thank you for the privilege of opening up your word. And we thank you for the simple and understandable way in which you dealt with Mary and Martha. And we pray, Lord, that in these few moments we can still our hearts and that you will deal graciously with us. We bless you that you have called us out of darkness into your marvelous light. And now, Lord, take your word and may it be sweeter to us than honey and the honeycomb. More desired than gold and much fine gold that we might know the great reward of walking in communion with you. We ask it for Jesus' sake. Amen.